Talent is a funny thing. Too much or too little can burn a man down. Looking back down the dark alleyway of his life, or onto the grand avenues of his future, and there's his name in neon lights. But a few letters, always, don't shine like they should. Oh, that's how it seemed to me, slumped on the floor with my legs flopping open in front of my gut, inundated with blood, and now something else. Pain. A hurricane of it. All levees in breach. O'Shea sat across from me, pistol still smoking. He rested the gun on his knee. Department issue DAK. Department issue off-hours cop. Eight o'clock shadow encasing his jaw, wallow of his tie and collar. Well, ain't you just fresh-faced with all kinds of theories, he smirked. He was sitting, man-spread, on the living room couch, right where I'd found Lil when she'd let herself in. He'd clearly been there for a while. His patch of aggressive trespassing looked lived in. My shotgun, like X's, had also been ransacked, but none of my home entertainment was missing. I moaned and checked out my stomach again. The entry wound was really going. What the fuck are you doing here? That's the real question. He gave me the once-over, almost flirtatious. I figured maybe... 50-50, you're making it back from that nuthouse alive. Because dead, honestly, would have suited me fine. Little paperwork, sure, but a straight-ahead story. Novice gumshoe slain by cult. He traced the headline with his fingers. Either that or you're drinking the Kool-Aid yourself. Just let him arrive at our doorstep, they said, and we will gladly do the rest. Or anyway, what's his name? Walker said that. I had my doubts, but no, no, no. I made them make a guarantee. I said, he comes back either bearing your shield or on top of his own, and no bullshit about it. I managed to summon my powers of speech. You killed X, I said. He snorted. I can think of worse things to have done with my time, but no, as I thought you well know, it was her. That prost who thinks she's Norma Desmond. Sweet Lil is a call girl. Fell in with the Balakians when Walker hired her for a party. So what? You're too good to exalt to God and man or whatever the fuck they profess to exalt? I bet they were pretty teed off about that. You set me up, I said. How come? Because I'm a dirty fucking cop, O'Shea raised his eyebrows. Like, hadn't you noticed? For the same goddamn reason I set up your colleague... Vulture smells dinner, descends, has a nosh. I like to keep my corpses clean. Y'all were coming too close to the truth about Kent. And what is the truth about Kent? I gasped. Jesus Christ. Even with a motherfucking bullet in your gut, you're still trying to get the scoop. Y'all are bystanders, really. What I'm talking about starts a long time ago. Wait a minute. He paused. What the fuck am I saying? He switched off the safety. I'm killing you now. Whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. The directive came out of me all in a stream and I had to hunch over for shockwaves of pain. O'Shea now stood over me, gun in my face. He considered me clinically, eyebrows ascendant, like a product he felt on the fence about buying. Then he sort of pursed his lips. He thumbed the safety back again. 
You'll die either way. Oh, you're bleeding, he said. He slowly sat down, pulling Bunch from his slacks. And in that millisecond, before he began, I considered my options for getting away. I have to say, they weren't so hot. As usual, there was my phone. Very theory versus practice. For even if I tweezed it out, I couldn't tap SOS messages blind, and I sure as hell couldn't just lounge with it there in my splayed open lap, googling who to call. The front door was my next best bet. To rise in my agony, crab shuffle backwards, buck from my shotgun and into the night in the hope that someone with a sensitive ear not afraid of the cops was meandering by. But all of it was too absurd. That was when I heard the thump. A muffled thump, and then a moan, or a sort of hard humming beyond the next door. But I banished such things from my mind. Focus, Jim. O'Shea said, Okay, let's go back a few years. Butterfly is not yet born. O'Shea is a beat cop, then New Orleans Vice. Homicide division calls. It's what he's always dreamed of, baby. The Big Easy with Dennis Quaid. So I worked, and I worked. Overtime, holidays, Boku endless cases. All to get that murder badge so I could wear a rumpled suit and pay into a pension plan. I wasn't too far off from X at that age. But then I caught a motherfucker. Really low down, nasty case. This Tulane professor was running kid porn, then calling it scholarly output. <laughs> and they say tenure is a scam. Cost of printing and staging the photos he took, the crappy motel rooms, he bills the department paper trail a mile across, like he had a hard-on for the bullpen or something. Baffitt's was a classic case, an open and shut one, if I had my druthers. But Baffitt's hired a clever lawyer. Seems that I roughed up some poor student worker getting after the paper trail. Violent misconduct. Now I got City Hall rubbing up on my ass. The good lord shines a light. Katrina. O'Shea cracked his neck and continued. Case stalls out, OPP floods, where's Baffitt's? In a mental ward. A couple days later, he has his first stroke. So it's hospital time, but the city's in chaos. Hospital where they're treating him takes a serious nosedive. The power shuts off. They transfer him to yet another. By the time that New Orleans is solvent enough to even consider reopening cases, Baffitt's has become a ghost. Not to mention the fact that I called in some favors. Court documents, evidence, paper trail, halved. The case is shakier now than it was in July. Where they're keeping the guy in the meantime, he said. A handful of us, maybe, no. We also know we can't release him. So I get with the LDHH. We parlay. Seven Oaks seems pretty good. He'll be easy to keep an eye on there, and I will be keeping an eye on him. Mostly. In addition to that, it's a nursing home, right? He'll practically be zero risk. I can hardly believe how resourceful I am. Baffitt suffers three more strokes. You killed Amelia Kent, I said. He paused a beat. He checked his phone. He said, Okay, maybe. But let me explain. You killed her, I said. Or had her killed. Then X got involved. But you couldn't kill X. So you let the Belakians put in work for you. What is it with your generation, he said. He hiked up his slacks and got up from the couch. He was pissed. I could tell, and he needed to move. Everything's politics. 
Everything's sacred. Indicting fucking civil servants on a regular basis for doing their jobs. Well, guess what Amelia Kent was? That's right, a motherfucking civil servant. I heard the thumping sound again. The center room, no doubt about it. Something or someone in there wanted out. Had heard O'Shea's weapon and now heard his talking. Whatever plan he had for me, that something or someone was part of that plan. And chances were, he'd shot me in the place that he had to keep me alive long enough to enact it. If I could get him mad enough, a condition that seemed to come naturally to him, I could probably get him to open that door. Two versus one beat out one versus two. I was in unbelievable pain. It felt like a creature that ate its way places. A mole or a weasel or something like that was working its way through the maze of my guts to get it a sugary treat in my tailbone. O'Shea said, What no one else knows is this. Where you see corruption, I see innovation. I see getting by with the shit that you got. I killed the lady, sure, he said. I shot her from my driver's window. I called it in as two black kids because that kind of thing happens there all the time. You think I'm gloating? His face dropped. I ain't. Ain't proud what I did, but it needed to happen. Same circumstances, same players, same stakes. I'd do it again in a heartbeat, he said. As for Cleveland, he chose to unload on his friend. All I did was present him a series of options. Jarrell, well, it's a tragic thing. I was told that he died in police custody, I said. There you go again, he said. You and your liberal news media buzzwords. Jarrell died in police protection. Victim admitted with head trauma, quote, from gunshot wound to right of head, was in stable condition, then started to hemorrhage, lapsed into critical, died. These things happen. The thumping sound happened, much louder this time. I openly looked towards the center of the room. O'Shea was pretending he didn't hear squat, but I saw from the way that he winced with his eyes he heard it all right and was highly displeased. Jarrell Leggins went quietly, naturally even, and there's no one I know who can say that he didn't. Cleveland, he said, was a hot-headed boy. He shot his friend because, who knows, whatever moves these kids these days, gang shit, girlfriend, talking smack, people like to misplace blame. People like you and like Thump, X. And then I heard a voice I knew, a clear, young, and frightened as hell sounding voice that came from back beyond the door. Toussaint? I called out. And O'Shea rolled his eyes. Well, isn't this fucking heartwarming, he said. The vulture and the rat is pals. He crossed the room quickly, threw open the door, and showed me Toussaint hundred under the lintel. His arms and legs were bungee corded. He had recently had a gag stuffed in his mouth, balled up kitchen rag and electrical tape, but somehow he had spit it out. The tape was loose around his neck, like some kind of flowing Edwardian collar. O'Shea stepped down hard on the top of his toes and pressed the gun into the crown of his head. He instantly started to whimper, fast breathing. Take a minute, said O'Shea. He touched his throat. Enunciate. Kid hangs around, always killing brain cells with that phone in the driveway. One night, said O'Shea, hears a scream, sees some shapes, jumps the side gate, sneaks in through the back, creeping, creeping, closer now. 
O'Shea walked two fingers across Toussaint's forehead, sees a pretty girl stabbing a guy in the chest while a city cop holds him at gunpoint. End scene. Toussaint nodded. I didn't have much left in me. I was starting to slip from the bright world of men. Not dying, not yet, but for sure passing out. I shook my head to stay awake. At first, said O'Shea, no one cared that he knew. But then we had to think about it. And when I found out that Amelia Kent had been talking to Cleveland and Jarrell about Baffitts, it gave me that added incentive, you know, to cancel Cleveland and Jarrell. And what better bargaining chip than Toussaint? Toussaint hawked the loogie and only just missed O'Shea's shoe. O'Shea kicked Toussaint in the face. Toussaint cried out. His nose gushed blood. What is it with you? That's what I want to know, he shouted. All you got to fucking do is walk the line like you've been taught. But you can't do that, ever, can you? I thought of Cleveland's blowing tuba, futzing with the 45, the shot going wide, Jarrell's ear disappearing. It hadn't been due to subpar marksmanship. Cleveland had fucked up the headshot on purpose. He'd done it not to kill his friend, and he would have succeeded if not for O'Shea. For him. For him. For him. Of course. Him was standing across from me, holding us hostage. Him had enacted the ultimate horror. Some hospital room with Jarrell on the mend, balloons and cards, a morphine drip. Him had approached the bed holding a pillow. Him had adjusted the dosage of drugs. Him had drawn a shot of something, pushed it into Jarrell's veins. Him stooped to fish under his pant leg a moment and took out a 9mm black Ruger, sidearm by the look of it. He popped out the cartridge to see it was loaded and slapped it back in. Then he took off the safety. With the other gun, too, he repeated this gesture. He walked to the median point in between us, crossed the guns over his chest, and said, Boom. I looked at the place in the floor I was sitting blood starting to creep from the seat of my pants. Toussaint was hutched across from me at a seemingly perfect ballistic alignment, as though I had entered the shotgun's front door just as he, the intruder, emerged from its depths. Neither weapon, of course, would be traced to O'Shea. They might have been department issue, but the serial numbers, I guessed, were long gone. They called shotguns shotguns for this telling reason. You could fire a shotgun from the front to the back, the spray of lead would go straight through. Shooter one and shooter two. O'Shea bowed at both of us, guns in both hands. One white, one black. One old, one young. One occult freak, one born into violence. Crisscross. Toussaint, over there, is avenging his brother. Lies in wait for crazy white boy. White boy appears to stand his ground. And if that falls apart for some reason, he said... In this era, there's still the house in Matray where as early as midday today I can place you. You say white boy was part of a cult? Satan-worshipping murder cult ties to child porno? Burden of proof. It swings both ways. White boy comes in from a long, sweaty day of burning goats to Beezlebub and Toussaint here. Outside, someone rammed the front door. O'Shea paused a beat and looked up in alarm. Someone rammed it again. It gave out and swung inward, the bottom half jarring the small of my back. Even as I turned around, I could feel myself leaving the conscious condition, my head getting heavy, my vision uncoupling. 
Daydu stood in the door, gun drawn. Cajun Rob, of all people, was standing behind her. When she made to move forward, Rob mirrored her movement, but when she detected it swatted him back, yelling, Fall back! Get down! Without turning around, gun braced on her forearm, O'Shea in her sights. From out of the corner of my eye, I could see Rob obliging her, backing away, shielding himself with the hurricane door. For most of a moment, no one moved, except for our eyes, which were watching each other. O'Shea turned to stone between me and Toussaint, the D.A.K. and the Ruger half-raised in each hand. He backed towards Toussaint, and beyond him the hall that led to the door at the back of the house, but then seemed to think better of it. He chuckled. Daydu said, Make a good decision. You fucking internal affairs? You are under arrest, she responded. For what? said O'Shea. Now he raised both guns. Daydu yelled a warning. O'Shea! Then she shot him. The last thing I saw before passing out cold was the blood splashing onto the living room wall. The movies have it mostly wrong. World coming sharp into focus, then fading. Faces of loved ones dissolving in smoke. Flashes of consciousness. Rotor blades. Cloud shapes. Gurney on wheels beneath halogen lights. The masked visages of the servants. The dope drip. Recovery room bathed in sun. Gift of life. Being shot in the stomach by Nola's worst cop just inches from your large intestine before having the bullet removed at great length in a trauma one surgery later that night does not an artful montage make. Somebody's got to call bullshit on that one. Mostly, there's pain and unconsciousness. Shouting. The hideous grog of the drugs in your system. Your body made into a siphoning port for innumerable needles and different sized tubes all that medical claptrap sustaining your life. You wish every bit of it came with a price tag so you could accept or decline the procedure. The first thing I thought about waking up in bed, this is going to clean me out. A bandage was done up around and around me, and then for good measure, around me again. Even through the thousand layers, a little blood was spotting up. I tried to sit up, big mistake. Good night, doctor. Good night, nurse. I slept on and off for a full 24. When I woke up again, I was famished for solids. I wanted a cheeseburger bad for some reason, which is probably the last thing I should have been eating. It was syrupy glop a la tube going forward. Outside of my recovery room, passerby went by the blinds. One shape never moved at all. A broad-shouldered torso, its head at attention. Gradually it dawned on me this must be the officer guarding my room. I hadn't been conscious for quite long enough to see what happened to O'Shea, the placement of Daydu's gunshot. All I had seen was the blood on the wall. If he was still alive, then a sentry made sense. O'Shea didn't seem like the giving up type, and he wasn't the only bad cop in New Orleans. He was only one head on a terrible hydra. And as much as the NOPD was inclined to make sure his poison had been neutralized, there were other O'Shea's in the queue, I would think, who didn't care for whistleblowers. Days one through three, or three through five, depending how you looked at it, 
I'd mostly fluttered in and out according to my AM nurse, were largely bags and vital signs and wound swabbing and bandage swaps. The doctor came in on the heels of the nurse, or sometimes never came at all. The nurses seemed to run this place. My nurse, pretty girl with a weave, was named Shannon. One day I put it to her straight. Can a guy get a proper cocktail in this place? Don't sit up too fast, she smiled. But don't you go planning your funeral, neither. On the sixth day, she asked if I minded a visitor. I didn't answer yes or no. And just like the night I'd been shot in my house, Daydu came in with Rob behind her. She was wearing a suit, very V.I. Warchowski. Overlaying the blouse was a laminate badge with the P.I.B. logo. I thought back a decade. Internal affairs being gutted, turned over. Accountability, transparency, or so we were told. I stood for integrity, the B for bureau. Fancy that. But then, like most promises made in New Orleans, the small print fell out of the contract. Katrina. Less cops on the streets, then more cops, and then less. An urban revitalization moves forward. Now someone, if only they do, was rebranding. Grim-faced while watching the skies of the city. Rob lingered in the door a moment. He looked sheepish at first, then he seemed glad to see me. You're looking... not great, said Daydu, but not awful. How's the jello in here? Sure wish I could tell you. Security, I said, is tops. I gestured at the beat cop who'd been posted in the hall, his navy blue shoulder and belt of doodads drifting into the door before Rob gently closed it. Hey there, Jim, he said. I nodded. I wasn't mad at Cajun Rob, but felt a little distant from him. Behind palling around with the day due was a story about to be told in which I didn't figure. Maybe I was dog-tired, feeling tender, who knows. As though I'd never harbored a secret from Rob. So, I caught my breath. Should I fear for my life? Not from Quickie O'Shea, said day due. Quickie? Really? Well, Stephen, she said, was his given first name. Around the department, we called him Quick Change. He was always concocting excuses for things. Minor stuff, you know. Lost staplers, leaves the copy machine on the blink without toner. The more trifling the guy's mistake, the more complicated the cover-up scheme. Pathological shit. Crooked cop OCD. Eerie, when you think about it. Cornelius Baffets, I said. The ultimate fuck-up. Quickie painted himself in a very red corner, she responded. About how many years do you think that he'll get? I asked. Daydu and Rob exchanged a look. He drew his gun, she said. He's dead. A moment of silence. Not in the guy's honor. If anyone needed to go, it was him. But in the enormity, rather, of death. So much of it. Everywhere always, and growing. Famous New Orleans, with blood on its breath. They knew he was rotten, I said. They partnered you with him. Boku allegations were pending against him, much worse than lost staplers, for real shit, she said, accepting bribes, blackmailing, a couple of murders, manufacturing evidence, dozens of those ones. But the business with Baffets at all was a handhold, 
And then the Kent murder, the second line shooting. Quick change was a busy boy. PIB is freaking out. They say that it's time to move in, now or never. So you got him, I said, and for murder this time. And now, I said, and now he's dead. Justifiably so, am I right, said Nadeau. I'll testify to that, I said. I meant it in a double sense. Then something occurred to me sharply. I faltered. What happens to Cleveland now he's been exposed? Wearily, she raised her brows. Downgraded to manslaughter. At least, that's the rumor. But he ain't going to beat it. He'll be held. He'll be tried. Then he'll go to Angola. You wanted to say something, somehow, to help it. I'm so very sorry, or even tough luck. But then you were asking for some absolution. You weren't as sorry as you seemed. And you? I turned back to Daydew. P.I.B. When did you get in with Rob? I wanted to tell you so bad, Jim, said Rob. You wanted to tell me, I said. But you didn't. Y'all don't be ridiculous here, said Daydew. You sure couldn't know, and Rob sure couldn't tell you. The C in C.I. is for confidential. You used me as a piece of bait. We never took our eyes off you. You were safe, said Daydu. Only you didn't know it. Safer on account of that. And you helped us a little, believe it or not. The stuff about Belloc was very revealing. But I never told Rob about Belloc, I said. Google, she said, leaves a hell of a footprint. I looked from her to Rob, then back. Were they fucking or something? I couldn't decide. My intuition told me no. You want to believe that these things really happen. AI beauty beds inform it, but the world is too fucked for a cheeky romance. They flirted in public because it was easy. When it really came down to brass tacks, they were strangers. Like Toussaint and Shireen and the marching band teacher and crazy fucking Baffets, we were all of us strangers who'd been thrown together, heated up to a hundred, and made to run rabid. Everything was entropy, and the sooner we all cop to that one, the better. If I was safe, I said, what gives? I gestured at my bandaged middle. Button-up shirt, Rob said, the light blue one. I led my mind back to the last time I'd seen him, the Mazda outside of the Matre house. He'd braked at a light and I'd fumbled my coffee, spilling dark roast down my shirt, and before going into the house, he'd insisted I take off the stained one put on one of his. Special lining, Rob explained. You probably didn't even notice. You fuckers, I said, had me wearing a wire. For safekeeping purposes only, she said. Nothing we collected is admissible in court. If things got out of hand, we'd know. Seeing as they did, I said. I stewed for a moment. Where the fuck were you guys? Pile up on the ten, said Rob. Oh, fuck it, I thought, and let loose with a grin. But that's when a shadow passed over my soul. I said to Daydu, What about the Balakians? Already I could sense the dwarf slithering through the hospital's halls on his belly, peering into sick rooms at the height of the threshold, tipping his stovepipe. Where else would they be, said Daydu. They're in prison. Can I get a shot of the hero, said someone? A scruffy young guy loitering in the door. 
He was holding a point-and-shoot camera down low. Beneath his dress shirts, rolled up sleeves, a tattoo of planets, celestial wolves, tight-fitting black pants with a clip-on keyring. Step away, said the cop who'd been guarding the room. He stood in the door with a coffee in hand. When they do would come in, he had taken a breather. And that's when the kid with the scruff made his move. The kid's approach was pretty sound. Shit, me and X had done it too. Even going so far as to pay off a guard for access to a stabbing victim, climbing car impound fences to photograph Rex. In this line of work, you did all that you could. Step away from the door, said the cop, or I'll move you. It's okay, I said to Daydu. You can tell him. She waved him off. He shrugged, cut left, and his silhouette moved trudgingly down the hall. The scruffy kid smiled and came in through the door. Where are you from, Cher? The Gambit? New Orleans and me? You strike me as an up-and-comer. Freelancer, he said. How about that exclusive? Murder cult interventionist clings to dear life. Sure, I said. Whatever's good. He framed the tableau of my bed with his hands. Then he stepped back a pace. Can you two be his guardians? Sort of shelter his bedside while boxing him in? I could see Daydu puzzling potential backlash. Would this be good for PIB? Come on, she said to Cajun Rob. When they stood at my bedside, their arms on my shoulders, their faces arranged passively into smiles, still the kid could not commit. He framed the shot, scrapped it, kept backing away. He backed all the way to the door, where he stopped, Fellini with a power shot, and then he took a rapid series. Okay, he said, I think that's it. I wasn't the hero, but what could I say? The media gets what the media wants. Even when the facts are right, they are libelous hearsay, according to someone. I woke in the dark of my hospital room with a painkiller haze on me. Smeared, blurry vision. No idea what time it was. Late, anyway. I tried to push up right in bed. Tentacle crush of the pain through the drugs. No sense in perfection. I called down the dope, then adjusted the bed which came whirring up slowly. Room came into view, inch by inch, as I rose. The ceiling light darkened. Cross-section of panels. High in one corner, the dead black TV. The lintel, the doorway, the door. Backlit blinds. The rough silhouette of the guard's head and shoulders. At the edge of the dark, a mysterious glow. It wasn't machine light. The TV was off. Someone or something was in the room with me. But then I saw it was too soon. He was playing the zombie plague game on his phone, the slaughter on mute so as not to disturb me. The one he'd been playing before the parade, before Cleveland, his brother, fudged killing Jarrell, only to trigger malignant events that would lead to his death at the hands of O'Shea. If Lil could be believed at all, than it was in the province of what X had said. Maybe something he'd scribbled or typed up in notes. They say evil hides, but they're wrong. It parades. He hadn't meant the second line. He hadn't even meant the city. He had meant the worst evil, the powers that be, parading their monstrous blood crimes in plain sight. Toussaint killed the zombies again and again. They jetted blood, fell to the ground, 
more arose. Above the glowing iPhone screen, his face was blank, yet oddly peaceful. He played the shooter game one-handed, his other hand clutching the bed's metal railing, as though he had wanted to be close to me, or as though, in his own way, he were holding my hand. podcast is written and produced by the lineup staff and myself matthew thompson special thanks to voice actor michael bates author adrian van young and our partners in crime at open road media our audio producers chai dingari and andrew kohler background music is by audio blocks and our theme music is by absofacto at absofacto.com for more information on the stories we present visit our website, thelineup.com. That's the-line-up.com. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter as well, which brings you five mysteries to your inbox twice a week. This is Matthew, and that does it for me. Till next time, keep it weird.